0: Book Nine, Chapter Six of the League of the Scarlet Pimpernel. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The League of the Scarlet Pimpernel by Baroness Sportzi Book Nine, The Cabaret de la Liberte. Chapter Six esther up in her little attic knew nothing of what her english lover was even then suffering for her sake she herself had passed during the night through every stage of horror and of fear soon after midnight that execrable brigand rateau had poked his ugly cadaverous face in at the door and peremptorily called for Lucien. the woman more dead than alive now with terror had answered with mechanical obedience i and my friends are thirsty the man had commanded Go and fetch us a litre of eau-de-vie poor lucien stammered a pitiable where, where shall I go to the house at the sign of le fort Samson in the rue de seine replied rateau curtly they'll serve you well if you mention my name of course lucien protested she was a decent woman who had never been inside a cabaret in her life then it's time you began was rateau's dry comment which was greeted with much laughter from his abominable companions. Lucien was forced to go. It would, of course, have been futile and madness to resist. This had occurred three hours since. The rue de Seine was not far, but the poor woman had not returned. Esther was left with this additional horror weighing upon her soul. What had happened to her unfortunate servant? Visions of outrage and murder floated before the poor girl's tortured brain at best lucien was being kept out of the way in order to make her esther feel more lonely and desperate she remained at the window after that watching that light in the house opposite and fingering her prayer book the only solace which she had her attic was so high up and the street so narrow that she could not see what went on in the street below at one time she heard a great to-do outside her door it seemed as if some of the bloodhounds that were set to watch her had gone or that others came she really hardly cared which it was then she heard a great commotion coming from the street immediately beneath her men shouting and laughing and that awful creature's rasping cough at one moment she felt sure that Kennard had called to her by name she heard his voice distinctly raised as if in a despairing cry after that all was still so still that she could hear her heart beating furiously then a tear falling from her eyes upon her open book so still that the gentle patter of rain sounded like a soothing lullaby she was very young and was very tired out above the line of sloping roofs and chimney-pots the darkness of the sky was yielding to the first touch of dawn the rain ceased everything became deathly still esther's head fell wearied upon her folded arms. Then, suddenly, she was wide awake. Something had roused her. A noise. At first she could not tell what it was, but now she knew. It was the opening and shutting of the door behind her, and then a quick, stealthy footstep across the room. The horror of it all was unspeakable. Esther remained as she had been, on her knees, mechanically fingering her prayer book, unable to move, unable to utter a sound as if paralyzed she knew that one of those abominable creatures had entered her room was coming near her even now she did not know who it was only guessed it was rateau for she heard a raucous stertorous wheeze yet she could not have then turned to look if her life had depended upon her doing so the whole thing had occurred in less than half a dozen heartbeats the next moment the wretch was close to her mercifully she felt that her senses were leaving her Even so, she felt that a handkerchief was being bound over her mouth to prevent her screaming. Wholly unnecessary, this, for she could not have uttered a sound. Then she was lifted off the ground and carried across the room, then over the threshold. A vague subconscious effort of will helped her to keep her head averted from that wheezing wretch who was carrying her. Thus, she could see the landing and two of those abominable watchdogs who had been set to guard her. A ghostly gray light of dawn came peeping in through the narrow dormer window in the sloping roof and faintly illuminated their sprawling forms stretched out at full length with their heads buried in their folded arms and their naked legs looking pallid and weird in the dim light their stertorous breathing woke the echoes of the bare stone walls esther shuddered and closed her eyes she was now like an insentient log without power or thought or will almost without feeling then all at once the coolness of the morning air caught her full in the face she opened her eyes and tried to move but those powerful arms held her more closely than before now she could have shrieked with horror with returning consciousness the sense of her desperate position came on her with its full and ghastly significance its awe-inspiring details the gray dawn the abandoned rat who held her and the stillness of this early morning hour when not one pitying soul would be astir to lend her a helping hand or give her the solace of mute sympathy so great indeed was this stillness that the click of the man's sabots upon the uneven pavement reverberated ghoul-like and weird and it was through that awesome stillness that a sound suddenly struck her ear which in the instant made her feel that she was not really alive or if alive was sleeping and dreaming strange and impossible dreams it was the sound of a voice clear and firm and with a wonderful ring of merriment in its tones calling out just above a whisper and in english if you please look out folks that young cub is strong as a horse and he will give us all away if you are not careful a dream of course it was a dream for the voice had sounded very close to her ear so close in fact that well, esther was quite sure that her face still rested against the hideous, tattered and grimy coat which that repulsive rateau had been wearing all along, and there was the click of his sabots upon the pavement all the time, so then the voice and the merry, suppressed laughter which accompanied it must all have been a part of her dream. How long this lasted, she could not have told you an hour or more she thought while the gray dawn yielded to the roseate hue of morning. Somehow she no longer suffered either terror or foreboding. A subtle atmosphere of strength and of security seemed to encompass her. At one time she felt as if she were driven along in a car that jolted horribly, and when she moved her face and hands they came in contact with things that were fresh and green and smelt of the country. She was in darkness then, and more than three parts unconscious. But the handkerchief had been removed from her mouth it seemed to her as if she could hear the voice of her jack but far away and indistinct also the tramp of horses hoofs and the creaking of cartwheels and at times that awful rasping cough which reminded her of the presence of a loathsome wretch who should not have had a part in her soothing dream thus many hours must have gone by then all at once she was inside a house a room and she felt that she was being lowered very gently to the ground she was on her feet, but she could not see where she was. There was furniture, a carpet, a ceiling, the man rateau with the sabots and the dirty coat and the merry English voice, and a pair of deep-set blue eyes, thoughtful and lazy and infinitely kind. But before she could properly focus what she saw, everything began to whirl and to spin around her, to dance a wild and idiotic saraband, which caused her to laugh and to laugh until her throat choked. And her eyes hot, after which she remembered nothing more. End of book nine, chapter six.